0: December 1926, Chester, England. The door to Abney Hall opened with a creak as the doctor headed to his car. He steeled himself for the crowd of reporters and cameras waiting outside the grounds. This next
1: part was inevitable. Once through the gate, the press flocked around him, hurling questions in his direction. They wanted to know if the doctor's most recent celebrity patient was all right.
0: The doctor told them what he knew. After disappearing for 11 days, she was in good health. But unfortunately, she had no memory of where she'd gone or what she did.
1: Voices overlapped as reporters asked a barrage of follow-up questions. Was this about her husband? Would it affect her new book? Why was she hiding under an assumed name? The journalist acted with the same
0: determination as the fictional detective Hercule Poirot. But the doctor didn't have the answers they wanted.
1: He wondered himself whether there was something more to the author's disappearance than met the eye. The story seemed like a plot from one of her best-selling mysteries, and a lingering thought kept creeping up in the back of his mind. Maybe he was wrong, and Agatha Christie's amnesia really was a red herring.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly.
1: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is a special one-part episode on a rare medical condition known as dissociative amnesia or psychogenic amnesia. Those afflicted forget large chunks of time and occasionally forget who they are.
0: Disassociative amnesia is different from organic amnesia, which is when memories are lost due to brain damage. Disassociative amnesia occurs spontaneously, with no evident cause.
1: Today we'll explore the medical condition through its most infamous cases, from mystery novelist Agatha Christie to the man who inspired the Jason Bourne novels and film series.
0: Some psychiatrists believe the key to understanding dissociative amnesia is psychological rather than physical, but others suspect the condition never existed to begin with, and the famous story of Agatha Christie's missing memories
1: was a hoax. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win,
0: and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
1: A loud bang jolted 61-year-old Ansel Bourne out of bed. He struggled to the window and peered into the early morning darkness, blinking in bewilderment. He didn't recognize the street outside.
0: He turned around. Nothing inside looked familiar either. His wife wasn't sleeping in the bed. In fact, none of her things were in the room at all. He ran his hands along his face and froze. His beard was much longer than he remembered.
1: Ansel left his room and found himself in the hallway of a boarding house. He strode to his neighbor's door and knocked.
0: Despite the early hour, the man who emerged cheerfully wished Ansel a good morning. Except he called Ansel Mr. Brown.
1: Confused, Ansel corrected him. The man then reintroduced himself as Pinkston Earl, the landlord. Pinkston told Ansel that they knew each other well. He'd been living in Pinkston's boarding house for two months. But that couldn't be true. Ansel didn't even know where he was. Convinced he would sound
0: like a madman if he expressed his alarm, Ansel asked Pinkston for the date and the name of the city they were in. The landlord told him it was March 14, 1887, and they were in Norristown, Pennsylvania.
1: The last date Ansel remembered was January 17, 1887. He'd been in Providence, Rhode Island. He had no recollection of the two months in between.
0: Ansel began piecing his story together, He'd showed up in Norristown six weeks ago, using the name Alfred J. Brown. He then opened a general store in the city.
1: Local physicians suggested that Ansel must be suffering from amnesia. But unlike any other known cases, he didn't have any known head trauma. His brain was undamaged.
0: Soon, the people of Norristown learned that the Alfred Brown they'd gotten to know in those two months never existed. He was Ansel Bourne, a carpenter and pastor from Coventry, Rhode Island, a small town located just 12 miles outside of Providence.
1: After consulting medical professionals, Ansel eventually reunited with his family. Newspapers began telling the story of a man who for two months believed he was someone else.
0: At the time, doctors knew about amnesia, But they'd never heard a case of
1: someone ever effectively becoming another person. Several psychologists examined Ansel, including Harvard professor William James, the father of modern American psychology. Professor James theorized that if he could hypnotize Ansel Bourne, he might find Alfred Brown hidden somewhere deep within his psyche.
0: In 1890, Professor James lulled Ansel into a trance and began asking him questions. Ansel remembered his birthday, but said he was born in New Hampshire, not Rhode Island. When James asked him if he was Ansel born, Ansel contradicted him, saying that his name was Alfred J. Brown.
1: As Alfred, Ansel spoke with a different speech pattern. He elongated his words with a slight drawl, and the corners of his mouth drew back, giving him an aged appearance.
0: Alfred could recount everything that happened during the two months in Norristown. He never explained why he'd moved to Pennsylvania. He only said there'd been trouble behind him, and he needed rest.
1: While hypnotized, Alfred reportedly couldn't remember anything about Ansel's life. He didn't even recognize a photograph of Ansel's late wife. Alfred claimed his own wife had recently died, but Ansel's wife had passed away years earlier. Dr. James concluded that two distinct
0: personalities now lived inside Ansel Bourne's head. Though Ansel was the dominant personality, there would be no getting rid of Alfred.
1: Ansel's case was believed to be one of the earliest well-documented instances of dissociative amnesia. His story made headlines in the late 19th century and is said to have inspired author Robert Ludlum to name the protagonist of his 1980 spy novel, The Bourne Identity, after Ansel.
0: The book was so popular it became a series, which was later adapted into several major Hollywood
1: blockbusters. The fictional Bourne also suffered from dissociative amnesia, though in his case, he lost his memories after a firefight, and he never displayed a second personality.
0: But Ansel Bourne was not the only notorious case of dissociative amnesia. Almost 40 years later, one of the most famous writers in the world made a different kind of headline when she lost her memory.
1: In 1926, acclaimed British mystery novelist Agatha Christie had found success with her Hercule Poirot detective stories. Meanwhile, her private life was dissolving around her. Her mother had died early that year, and her grief spiraled her into a deep depression.
0: She then discovered her husband Archie had been cheating on her with a mistress. Worse still, he said he was in love with this woman and wanted a divorce.
1: In emotional distress, something in Agatha broke. On December 3rd at 9.45 p.m., Agatha kissed her daughter goodnight. Then, without explanation, she drove away from their house in Berkshire, England and didn't return.
0: Somebody later discovered her abandoned car next to a pond. At first, many suspected Agatha vanished as a publicity stunt to promote her novels. But days went by and there was still no word from her.
1: Fears set in. People started to wonder whether she fled the country or worse, taken her own life.
0: But 11 days after her disappearance, authorities finally located Agatha. She'd been staying at a hotel and spa under an assumed name. When doctors examined her, they reported she could not remember what happened in the 11 days since she left. She couldn't even recall why she ran away.
1: But Agatha was otherwise healthy. So, she soon resumed her life as if nothing had happened at all.
0: By and large, modern psychologists agree that Agatha suffered from a fugue state, or a lengthy dissociative episode triggered by psychological trauma. In her case, the condition was sparked by grief over her deceased mother and her husband's infidelity.
1: Thankfully, she only lost 11 days of her life, but others haven't been so lucky.
0: In one extreme case, a man was found unconscious behind a Burger King in Georgia. When he arrived at the hospital, he couldn't remember his name, where he was from, or even how old he
1: was. Coming up, Benjamin Kyle tries to find himself. Now back to the story.
0: On August 31st, 2004, in Richmond Hill, Georgia, a Burger King employee brought a trash bag out to the dumpster. But when they stepped outside, they discovered an unconscious man
1: nearby. Covered in red ant bites, he had bruises and cuts on his head and was completely naked. As you can imagine, the employees were alarmed. By the time the police arrived, the mystery man was awake but disoriented. After being questioned, officials
0: learned the man had no memory of who he was nor how he ended up by the dumpster. But apart from superficial injuries and the thick cataracts on his eyes, he was otherwise healthy.
1: He had no traces of alcohol or drugs in his blood and no brain damage. Since they already had a John Doe admitted at the medical center, the hospital workers dubbed him Burger King Doe, or BK for short.
0: BK reportedly lashed out at his caretakers, calling the nurses demons and violently thrashing whenever they attempted to touch him. On-site psychologists initially suspected he had schizophrenia and prescribed him powerful antipsychotics.
1: Doctors performed surgery on BK to fix his eyesight. When he recovered, he looked into the mirror for the first time and was shocked. The person staring back at him was 30 years older than he remembered.
0: When BK eventually calmed down, He could remember facts about world events, like the recent U.S. invasion of Iraq, but he couldn't recall anything about his personal life, except for a few faint memories, like some vaguely familiar street names.
1: But he did know his birthday, August 29, 1948. He remembered because he was exactly 10 years older than Michael Jackson,
0: BK bounced around hospitals for a while, and while trying to remember his past, he found himself in a catch-22. To get his medical records, which could have a clue to his identity, he needed to pay for them. To get a job, he needed a social security number. To find his social security number, he needed to know who he was. Needless to say, his search
1: stalled. Eventually, he started going by the name Benjamin Kyle. Benjamin spelled with two A's. The first name seemed close to what he thought could be his birth name, and the surname was apparently random. After the hospital,
0: Benjamin moved to a healthcare center for the unhoused, where he became a favorite patient among the nurses. They tried to jog his memory by asking him questions and seeing how he reacted, and this actually led to some progress they were able to piece together that the street names he could remember were all located in Denver,
1: Colorado. Because he didn't have a social security number, he was ineligible for unemployment or government assistance. So he worked nights at the shelter to earn an income.
0: But he made friends while he worked. Benjamin met Catherine Slater, a nurse at the shelter, who decided to let Benjamin live with her while they tried to discover his identity. Slater scoured missing persons' websites for information. Despite the descriptions and photos she posted of Benjamin, no one seemed to recognize him. It appeared that no one was looking for Benjamin.
1: So they turned to the feds. Perhaps the FBI had Benjamin's fingerprints on record. The agency's database contained around 113 million prints. A generous
0: agent agreed to run Benjamin's prints, but there were no hits.
1: Catherine and Benjamin contacted other law enforcement agencies to see if Benjamin's profile matched any missing persons cases. After failing to make headway for a year, they decided on a new tactic, using the power of the media.
0: Benjamin appeared on Dr. Phil's daytime talk show. In his interview, he spoke about the few memories he had left and expressed his deep frustration with his condition.
1: But even after his TV appearance, no one came forward with information on Benjamin's real identity. Not a wife, not a child, not even a friend. As the
0: press blitz continued, Benjamin expressed to interviewers how tired he was of searching for his identity. He wanted to focus on his current life. But without a social security number, his existence was dependent on the kindness
1: of strangers, which, as he noted, was not a reliable resource. Eventually, Benjamin Kyle and Catherine Slater had a falling out. After repeated conflicts, Catherine kicked him out of her house and Benjamin hit rock bottom. Homeless again,
0: he walked from Georgia to Florida, trying to find someplace he could stay. He eventually got a job as a dishwasher Without a legal identity, he assumed he'd have to settle for scraping by the rest of his life.
1: But hope was not lost. Intrigued by his case, DNA researchers identified Benjamin's blood relatives in 2015, 11 years after he woke up in the dumpster. As it turned out,
0: Benjamin Kyle was actually William Powell from Indiana. A loner by nature, William had no spouse or children. He'd left Indiana in the late 70s when he was in his early 20s and moved to Colorado. His extended family hadn't heard from him in over 30 years.
1: William now had a name, a family, and a social security number. But there were still so many unanswered questions. Neither he nor his relatives knew how he lost his memory in the first place. Or what happened between moving to Colorado and waking up in a dumpster in Georgia? And as far as we can tell, these questions still remain unanswered. Williams'
0: condition is an extreme case of disassociative amnesia. But scientists hope that by learning more about how it works, they can discover its cause.
1: As we've mentioned, medical experts believe there are two types of amnesia. First, organic amnesia, which describes forgetfulness that occurs due to brain damage. Conditions like brain tumors,
0: blood force trauma, or degenerative disorders, like Alzheimer's disease, can all cause organic amnesia.
1: And of course, the second is dissociative amnesia. When a person experiences large gaps in memory, but there is nothing physically wrong with their brain. Disassociation,
0: on its own, is a fairly common psychological phenomenon. It happens when your conscious mind detaches from what's going on around you.
1: Picture yourself driving along a familiar road. Your mind wanders as you travel. Perhaps you're thinking about what you're going to make for dinner when you get home. Before you know it, you're pulling into your driveway. You don't remember the minute
0: by minute details of how exactly you got there because your brain didn't keep track. It was focused on what ingredients you needed to make, say, a curry, not the turns in the road. So it didn't record or store any memories of the drive
1: home. Dissociative amnesia follows a similar principle, but instead of losing track of a road, you lose track of much larger swaths of time. Sometimes you even forget information which is essential to your identity. There's also a subtype of disassociative amnesia
0: called disassociative fugue. People suffering from disassociative fugue experience fugue states during which they can't access any memories. It usually involves elements of travel or wandering and can last anywhere from hours to years.
1: Though instances of dissociative amnesia are well documented, the diagnosis remains controversial. Many scientists aren't quite sure if there even is a singular cause.
0: Which means we can only theorize based on the records we have. Let's start by examining the first case we discussed, Ansel Bourne in 1887.
1: Ansel not only lost his memory, but he reportedly developed another, separate personality. This suggests he might not have suffered from amnesia, but from an entirely different, but equally controversial dissociative condition known as Dissociative Identity Disorder, sometimes known as Multiple Personality Disorder, or shortened to DID.
0: Individuals with DID reportedly develop alternate personas, or alters, and are unable to control which persona dominates their behavior at any given time.
1: Each alter has their own sense of self and may have a name, gender identity, and even age. Alters can also have relationships with each other, sometimes even forming romantic attachments within the same person.
0: Though we don't have time to cover all the possible side effects of DID here, we know that what Ansel Bourne experienced back in 1887 is incredibly similar to modern accounts of DID patients.
1: In a DID system, one alter's experiences may not carry over to another's memory. For example, someone with DID might watch a movie as one alter but not remember its plot as another. In Ansel's case,
0: he didn't forget two months. He experienced them as an alternate personality, and his trip to Pennsylvania may not have been the first time Ansel disassociated.
1: In October 1857, 30 years before he woke up as Alfred Brown, Ansel was apparently walking outside in Coventry, Rhode Island. Then, suddenly and inexplicably, He was struck with the deep desire to go to church. Ansel wasn't religious, so
0: he shook off the idea. He quite literally thought to himself that he'd rather go deaf, blind, and mute than go to mass. But just as he formed this thought, the world went dark.
1: Ansel's heart dropped as he realized his imagination had somehow materialized a new reality. He could not see, hear, or speak. Without his senses, he couldn't find his way home. He couldn't even cry out for help.
0: Luckily, a neighbor eventually found Ansel and brought him to the doctor. The next day, Ansel's sight returned, but his hearing and voice didn't. Convinced it was God punishing him, he visited every person he'd ever wronged to atone for his sins. He wrote apologies on slate boards and chalk. After, he went to church for five straight days. At the final service, the priest read aloud a prayer that Ansel had written.
1: As the priest spoke the words, it was like the clouds just lifted. Ansel could hear and speak again. He had lost his senses for almost a week, and now it seemed much like St. Paul in the Bible. He'd been healed by divine providence.
0: This revelation led Ansel to live a more spiritual, generous life. But it might not have been divine intervention that returned his senses. Medical experts believe this was likely an
1: early disassociative episode. Some people with DID experience such sharp contrast in their alters, they have different physical senses depending on which personality is in control. For instance, ophthalmologists have detected that two altars of the same person may have different prescriptions for sight, as in, one might need glasses and another might not.
0: Ansel experienced similar shifts during his fugue state in 1887, when, as Alfred Brown, he didn't recognize pictures of his wife.
1: It's likely Ansel didn't have dissociative amnesia, but DID. So he didn't lose his memories per se, they merely lived in another part of his consciousness.
0: However, there's no evidence that Agatha Christie or William Powell suffered from DID, and neither of them had any history of neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's or dementia.
1: According to some skeptics, this is proof that dissociative amnesia doesn't exist, meaning Agatha Christie and William Powell faked their conditions.
0: Coming up, we'll find out who's telling the truth. Now, back to the story.
1: Dissociative amnesia is a controversial diagnosis. Since there is no known scientific cause for the memory loss, Some believe those who claim to suffer from dissociative amnesia, or dissociative fugue, are lying. Skeptics point
0: to other instances of people faking mental illness as evidence. For example, the now famous case of Shirley Mason.
1: Shirley was a student with a traumatic past who lived in New York City in the 60s. While living in the city, she received treatment from psychologist Dr. Connie Wilbur, and developed an unhealthy attachment.
0: Dr. Wilbur had previously expressed interest in studying DID. So when Shirley felt she wasn't getting enough care from Dr. Wilbur, she invented
1: multiple personalities. Dr. Wilbur was fascinated and even helped publish a book on Shirley's case. The book, called Sybil, was an international success and raised awareness of DID internationally. Almost overnight, the number of reported cases of DID skyrocketed. The book was even adapted into a made-for-TV movie starring Sally Field. At the time, nobody knew the story was based on a lie.
0: Shirley eventually confessed that she'd invented her stories of multiple personalities to receive the kind of psychological attention she'd been craving.
1: Now, it's important to note that those who fake mental illnesses are, for the most part, an anomaly. The vast majority of people who seek treatment for psychological disorders have no ulterior motives. Much like how, as a society, we accept that people can lie about having the common cold or the flu to avoid work or other obligations, but they are no less real.
0: That said, cases like Shirley's are precisely why Some people doubt the existence of dissociative amnesia and DID. And belief is made even harder by the fact that there's no physical evidence that
1: we know of to explain their existence. The burden of proof falls on the patient's experiences and personal accounts. And it doesn't help that for a long time, scientists believed DID was a misdiagnosis of borderline personality disorder. For these reasons and more, There's a
0: stigma around dissociative disorders, and unfortunately, the people it hurts most are the ones searching for help.
1: For example, when Agatha Christie and William Powell claimed they suffered from amnesia, they were both accused of making it up. Agatha was a public figure when she disappeared.
0: Many suspect she ran away to find solace, away from her fractured marriage and the pressures of fame.
1: In her autobiography, Agatha never referenced her 11-day-long memory gap. So some believe that she didn't actually suffer from a fugue state and merely used amnesia as a cover story to distract the press from her divorce scandal.
0: But this was probably tabloid hearsay. And if she wanted to distract the press from her turbulent personal life, she failed. Her disappearance only magnified her marital
1: troubles. According to Agatha's doctor, she legitimately couldn't remember anything. And they were convinced she was telling the truth. Which means Agatha either proved to them she had dissociative amnesia or somehow convinced medical professionals to lie for her.
0: Agatha was a young woman struggling with her new celebrity status. It's doubtful she could have influenced the doctors to make up a story. And her divorce was public knowledge. So, there was no real reason to hide it.
1: Almost 80 years later, people harbored similar doubts about Benjamin Kyle, aka William Powell. He had no memory of his life from the early 70s to 2004, but he still knew about President George W. Bush and the Iraq War.
0: This inconsistency made it seem like he was hiding something. But if you look closely at his life, lying seems unlikely.
1: If William truly was hiding from something, it must have been life-threatening. Otherwise, it's doubtful he'd voluntarily put himself through a series of homeless shelters, relying on the charity of others to scrape by. And of course, he went on Dr. Phil. If William was using dissociative
0: amnesia as a cover story to run away from his past, it doesn't make sense
1: that he would seek out publicity. Plus, when he finally discovered his identity, William reconnected with his extended family, something he probably wouldn't have done if he were on the run.
0: More likely than not, neither William nor Agatha faked their amnesia. They both suffered from some kind of memory loss. We just don't know how their memories went missing in the first place.
1: Only roughly 1% of men and 2.6% of women ever experienced dissociative amnesia. For obvious reasons, organic amnesia is much easier to distinguish. Scientists can point to brain damage. And dissociative is much harder to research. However,
0: some scientists theorize there isn't actually a difference between the two. Perhaps dissociative amnesia is organic amnesia.
1: As the theory goes, in cases categorized as dissociative amnesia, There is actually brain damage, but it's near imperceptible. Tiny amounts of damage at the cellular level cause large-scale memory loss.
0: Essentially, it's the cerebral equivalent of tiny pebbles causing an avalanche.
1: Unfortunately, there's no way to verify this theory. And many scientists don't believe it's possible because unlike organic amnesia, dissociative amnesia is often reversible, meaning, patients can sometimes recover their missing memories. The current
0: consensus from psychiatrists is that dissociative amnesia stems not from physical trauma, but overwhelming psychological stress.
1: Over the years, multiple studies have identified links between stress and adverse health effects, including memory issues.
0: These lab tests demonstrate that under significant duress, the brain doesn't retain information effectively. With this in mind, it's unsurprising that extreme levels of stress could lead to amnesia.
1: Unfortunately, human brains vary wildly depending on hormone levels, genetics, and background. So there is no way to measure how much stress it would take to cause dissociative amnesia in any given person.
0: For Agatha Christie, her fame, the tragedy of losing a parent, the heartbreak of betrayal, the impending specter of divorce, and the pressure of celebrity all overwhelmed her psyche. So her brain decided to take a holiday, possibly to spare her from pain.
1: Unfortunately, we don't know enough to say whether the same is true for William Powell, which is the major problem doctors keep running into. There isn't enough information
0: Modern medical science still has a long way to go to fully comprehend the effects of stress on the brain. Perhaps one day we'll understand how dissociation happens. Maybe we'll even be able to restore lost memories.
1: And when that day comes, we hope you'll be able to remember this episode fondly. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on Dissociative Amnesia, amongst the many sources we used, we found Dissociative Amnesia and Dissociative Fugue by Richard J. Lowenstein extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember... Never take we don't know for an answer.
1: Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Motion, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Matthew Teamstra, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Connor Sampson, fact-checking by Cara Mackerlien, and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.